Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Tuesday, December 13th, 2016. Cannot believe we're getting to the end of the year. Seems like every time I circle the sun, the next time I go around, it speeds up just a smidge. And over the years, those smidges are very noticeable. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and do some comparative work. That's right. Compare what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and all those folks generally being put forward by the evangelical industrial complex is those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose small group curricula we apparently need to be studying instead of the Word of God. And what we demonstrate is that when you open up God's word and do the comparative work with what these folks are saying, you know, rarely anymore. I mean, and that's kind of the sad part about it. Rarely does any of what they say actually square with what God's word says. Over and again, we demonstrate that they're not rightly handling God's word. They are not preaching the truth. They are not proclaiming Christ properly. They are not calling people to repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Oftentimes they are reading themselves into the biblical text, taking liberties that, well, no language warrants, yet alone the English language or biblical Greek or Hebrew, and in order to really, you know, teach for shameful gain the things that they ought not to be teaching. And unfortunately, so many in the church who call themselves Christians prefer it this way, and this is really a sad thing. So um, let's talk about what we're going to do with today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, kind of building off of uh, what we did with Catherine Kuhlman. And man, the the, the uh, Catherine Kuhlman sermon reviews that we did, I, I spent some more time out on the internet looking at and watching some you know historical footage of Catherine Kuhlman in action. And it's clear to me that she was a showwoman. Uh, she would have done very well in vaudeville, um, and she was great at bringing a show, but she really kind of sets the template for uh, the the televangelists, uh, you know, fake healings and miracle shows that we've seen over the years, and uh, isn't any wonder that Benny Hinn modeled what he does off of Catherine Kuhlman. 
And that was a woman, wow, she could really preach about herself. <laughs> yeah, I, it, and it was absolutely fascinating to me that uh, at the end of the sermon, the Bible that she had brought with her sat unopened the entire sermon right there on a music stand at Oral Roberts University. She never even touched it. I mean, it was rather fascinating. So kind of building off of that today, you know, coming back into the 21st century, if you would, uh, we're going to uh, continue to kind of focus in on the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate today. And this begins to creep into the NAR. Um, It's important to note that not everyone who is uh, who claims to be charismatic or Pentecostal is uh, on board with the NAR, but uh, those people who are charismatic and Pentecostals who are opposed to and see the NAR as a threat, they're diminishing within uh, within charismatic and Pentecostal circles, and uh, and the NAR is really taking hold. But what we're going to do today, we're going to begin. Uh, by looking at Robert Hodgkin, recent video that he uh, put up over at xpmedia.com called Secret Agents for Jesus. And uh, apparently he he recently made a trip to, you know, Vietnam and Cambodia, you know, and uh, he was doing some important kingdom work there. <laughs> when you <laughs> find out what kingdom work he was doing you know, we're, we can basically say it's just a matter of time before, you know, Cambodia and Vietnam, that the people there are saved radically. And, you know, there's going to be a major outpouring of the spirit. I mean, <laughs> I am speaking tongue in cheek here. And wait, do you hear what it is that he claims that he was doing there in Vietnam and Cambodia? Which <laughs> makes you wonder who paid the money for him to do this is kind of the question we'll ask. Then we, you know, still under that uh, concept, we're going to uh, listen to Ryan Lestrange. Ryan Lestrange and his weekly uh, horoscope. Uh, he calls it a prophetic word, but this is pretty much a, ho- a horoscope type of thing. And uh, we're going to listen to this week's message, apparently from God, about oily alignments. <laughs> He's like, what? I mean... I just the name kind of creeps me out. I mean, if I if I ever get anything oily on my hands, it like grosses me out, and it's like I gotta quickly get that off. Anyway, so we're gonna t- see what God is saying about oily alignments, and uh, and then we'll head over to Patricia King's uh, Shiloh uh, Internet Fellowship thingy and watch as she actually will listen. I'll watch you listen. Uh, as she talks about the, the the apparently this this thing that it's time to change, and I am not making this up, she is going to play a Chuck Pierce prophecy uh, as if somehow it's even a lucid thought, and then she's going to attempt to exegete it, <laughs> and just sitting there go, what? Yeah, I know, I know it. How do you? <laughs> I can't even make sense of a Chuck Pierce prophecy. So this Patricia King update that we'll be doing, I mean, it's kind of like a twofer. You know, we get Patricia King and Chuck Pierce. And (laughs) Chuck Pierce has been making (laughs) quite some significant appearances. He's appeared several times now on the Benny Hinn program. I'm thinking about revisiting that a little bit. And uh, and then to end off hour number one, another kind of twofer, if you would, 
Keith Kraft, yeah, of Mariachi Trench fame, of the Cathedral of Frisco, is going to speak prophetically over, I hope you're sitting down, John Gray. Yeah, John Gray from the Code Orange revival who had the audacity in kind of the foolish sense to literally declare to everybody at the Code Orange revival that they are David. And uh, and uh, so apparently, having done his work for uh, you know as the minion of uh, of Stephen Furtick, now he's he's being promoted and getting other speaking engagement. And so Keith Kraft will be speaking prophetically over John Gray. And during that, we're going to literally hear that John Gray in the spring of 2017 has a program that will be airing on the Oprah Winfrey Network. Uh-huh. And narcissistically, the name of the program, we'll let him explain that to us. So we are so we have a Keith Kraft, John Gray. It's like a, it's a program of twofers. And then in hour number two, uh, we will be listening to a Mike Bickle sermon uh, from a few years back, from 2008, called uh, Being Prepared to Follow... To fully embrace, I'm sorry, being prepared to fully embrace the move of the Spirit. And so this is a little bit more of a historical Mike Bickle sermon, but we'll note that in this sermon from Mike Bickle that uh, Lakeland, yeah, the Todd Bentley Lakeland revival was on, and he had no problem at that point saying that this was a move of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so... That will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I truly hope that you are sitting down. Uh, since most of the program is, in fact, practically all of it is uh, dedicated to the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate, let's do this. Oh. Hallelujah. Robert Tilton and Hubaba Kanda. So we're heading over to XP Media, and we're going to listen to Robert Hodgkin as he explains to us the activity that he was engaged in in his recent secret agent trip. Yeah, that's right. He's a secret agent for Jesus. His recent secret agent trip to <laughs> Vietnam and Cambodia. And uh, we're going to ask some interesting questions along the way. Again, I hope you're sitting down. Here we go. I'm just back from a mission trip to Vietnam. I got to lead an Operation Prayer Strike in Cambodia, and we had... A Operation Prayer Strike, Cambodia, Vietnam. They were using Huey helicopters. Yeah, that's right. Taking on the demonic Viet Cong. Yeah. 
what on earth? It sounds so important. Were you wearing khakis during this operation? Chance to go into Vietnam. Now, you may not be aware of this, but Vietnam is a communist country that is technically closed to the gospel, where it's illegal to, to read a Bible in public, it's illegal to evangelize, it's illegal to pray for people in the public, in public places. So you may be thinking, why would you go into Vietnam if you... Right. So what was your activity as secret agent for Jesus behind Viet Cong lines there? You know, I'm curious. Couldn't do any um, um, open prayer, evangelism, worship, all of that. Well, I believe that as much as we're called to be covert evangelists and covert agents for Jesus, we're also called to be secret agents for Jesus. Okay, um, in some very weird, tortured way, he's kind of, sort of correct, but he's not referring to the way we're we're thinking. Now, I, I want you to consider this, is that if they tell you it's illegal to preach the gospel, the government has overstepped its authority. Now, let's take a look at a biblical text so we kind of get the idea of what the scriptures teach here, because what Robert Hodgkins is about to say is like no bueno, and so let's let's do some good teaching. Uh, Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. And here we begin to get the idea of what the government authorities exist for. They, they have been given the sword by God. And so this is the distinction between the right-hand and left-hand kingdoms. The government being the left-hand kingdom, it has a specific task. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. So the idea then here in this portion of scripture is that we understand that the rightful job of the government is to really punish evildoers. It's, it is all about taking the law of God and basically keeping peace. This gives a free hand to the gospel. But when somebody opposes the gospel and says, yeah, no, listen, you can't preach the gospel. You, you, you need to be silent. Well, in a situation like that, then scripture is clear we must obey god rather than men and so when a when a when a government you know structure says you can't preach the gospel you must preach the gospel now you don't go out and do street preaching in a place where it's going to get you killed to do so you the idea is is that you still continue house to house quietly subversively and things like that uh you basically continue the task of preaching the gospel and i would even point to the fact that the Apostles were explicitly told not to preach in the name of Jesus, and they basically said, listen, we're going to obey God rather than you. You don't have the authority to tell us this, and no government has the authority to tell you you can't preach the gospel. 
They overstep their bounds. They, governments are created for a particular task, and the church has a particular task. And so the idea is you don't want to mix the right hand and the left hand kingdoms. Now, all of that being said, we're going to, again, come back to Robert Hodgkins in order to determine if his activity will really help benefit the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Let's find out what he was up to as a covert secret agent for Jesus. I loved our time in Vietnam because we had to get creative about how to release the kingdom into the earth, how to be intentional, but in stealth mode for Jesus. So we would do things like walk around the park and and just intentionally be releasing, be releasing, be releasing the kingdom. Every- what? What, 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 what is this? <laughs> so you flew all the way to Vietnam, went through all the rigmarole of getting into Vietnam. <laughs> and, and <laughs> on earth. And you went for a walk around the park. And while you were walking around the park, you were releasing the kingdom. How do you go about doing that? Where we go, we would go to um, um, key government facilities and walk around and, and act as if we were just regular tourists looking at. Hey, I gotta hold myself together here. So they, they, there was a lot of effort on their part to make it look like they were just ordinary tourists, but in reality, they were secretly releasing the kingdom. Beautiful sights in Ho Chi Minh City or the beautiful sights in Vietnam and release, but intentionally, without words, without, without praying out loud, without evangelizing out loud, both of which are wonderful, but simply by faith, releasing a flow and a flood of the kingdom into those places. <laughs> Did you use a wand? I mean, <laughs> that sounds like witchcraft. <laughs> I have no idea. What is that I am hearing? So without words, they purposely, you know, would put on tourist clothing so that they their, their, their secret agent status for Jesus wouldn't be blown. Their cover would not be blown. So they were out there, and as they were with the other tourist groups, they were secretly with their minds, without words, releasing the kingdom. <laughs> It makes you wonder, I mean, does Robert Hodgkins need to be seeking some kind of psychiatric help here? So, um, if you have your Bibles, I want you to look at John 7.38. This is- okay, so John 7.38 is going to teach us this important secret agent activity. What it says. In John 7.38, we're promised that whoever believes in me, this is Jesus talking, whoever believes in me, out of him shall flow rivers of living water. This is absurd. Okay, so you, because you believe in Jesus, there's rivers of living water flowing out of you, and they can flow out of you without any words at all. And you can go into into really difficult areas where the gospel is forbidden from being preached, and you can just walk around while the river is flowing out of you. That is not what that means. So that Jesus says, if we believe in him, rivers of living water, not might, but will flow out of us. 
So what we were doing in Vietnam, I would get up early and I'd go on prayer walks through the city. And I wouldn't be praying out loud in tongues. I wouldn't be decreeing scriptures out loud because it was illegal to do that. And we felt called to go there, but to be honoring of the laws because we're believing for the region to break open. We're believing to be able to establish works in Vietnam, to be able to help women and children in Vietnam just the way we're helping them in Thailand, we're helping them in Cambodia. But we knew in this time, this season, we were going in as secret agents for Jesus. We were going in in stealth mode to begin to pray things open, but to do it in new, stealthy, creative ways. So I'd walk the city in the morning and I would intentionally let those rivers of living water flow out of me. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus for me. I believe in Jesus for Vietnam. So I would focus on him. I would focus on the kingdom and let the rivers flow out of me. To- wow. Yeah, that was so big of him to let the rivers flow out of him. What a complete waste of time and effort. He accomplished absolutely nothing. Nothing whatsoever. The kingdom was not released. What he was doing was absolute nonsense. Okay. We're still under the prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. It's time for our weekly horoscope with Ryan Lestrange. This <laughs> this week's word from God is oily alignments. I'll let him explain. Hey everyone, Ryan Lestrange with today's Monday Word. And my Monday Word is a prophetic word as we enter into this new year. We're crossing over the threshold and the Lord's releasing some revelation to us. My word is oily alignments. And here's what I'm talking about. I believe the Lord is bringing into your life and has brought into your life alignments that produce a flow. Alignments that produce oil. I began to spend time with the Lord and I heard the Lord say to me, oily alignments. At first I said, Lord, what is this? And the Lord said, as you progress in your mandate, begin to look for those alignments, those connections that produce oil and heavenly residue. God is connecting you with people and places and words and ministries that produce heavenly residue. The residue of heaven is upon you. The oil of heaven is flowing over you. When the Lord wanted to... These are meaningless words. Shake Israel and raise up an army of deliverers. He used Moses, but then he said to Moses, bring them, the 70 men you know to be elders, bring them to the tabernacle and I'll take what's on you and put it on them. There was an oil that was released to them. It takes oil to get the assignment done. God never sends somebody out without oil. And the Lord began to say to me. Right, yeah. If if somebody shows up without oil, you know that God didn't send them. I mean, that that's how that works, you know. Right where there is no oil, there is friction and pain. I believe many of you have been in alignment. You've been connected to people. You've been connected to things. You've been connected to words that there's no oil flowing on. Sometimes you're connected to a word from the previous season. It produced a... Right, yeah. You, you got to stop being connected to those previous season words because the oils run dry. And you're, you're going to really mess up your, your engine if you try to run it on that old word, you know? 
residue and oil for that season. But it's time now that you connect to what the Lord is saying to this season. God is releasing oily alignments. God is releasing divine and glorious connection. It's time that you be released from those dry alignments that are producing unnecessary pain, unnecessary friction, and press into the ones that release oil. Press into the ones that release and establish a flow. You know, in the Old Testament, the Lord speaks to Samuel, and he's about to release Saul into uh, being king. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 10, then Samuel took the flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, has not the Lord anointed you to be ruler over his inheritance? He released oil over Saul. God never gives you an assignment without giving you some oil. And I just, it's nonsense. I am not an anointed one. I am not a Mashiach. By the way, that's what an anointed one means, Mashiach. Ryan Lestrange, in this nonsensical, non-lucid, ridiculous, so-called word from God about oily alignments, is literally teaching doctrines that create false Christs, false anointed ones. Oily indeed. This is from the oils of hell speak to you prophetically that God is bringing alignments, divine alignments, setting things in order with words, with people, with places that are going to produce oil. The Lord said to Samuel, go and pour the oil on him. And if you read this story, he began to prophesy to him. And he said, you're coming to the hill of God. You're going to the high point. An oily alignment's going to bring you up higher. An oily... What? Samuel did not say that. It's going to stir purpose in you. An oily alignment is going to uh, bring an ease to the areas that there's been friction and pain in. An oily alignment is going to release you forward. Listen, you get oil flowing. There's movement. There's momentum. Right. This oil is going to cause people's feet to slip and they're going to slide right into hell with it. And I believe God is creating these oily alignments to, to bring supernatural movement, supernatural momentum. The prophet said to Saul, you're coming to the hill of God. You're going up higher. And as you go, you're going to meet a group of prophets uh, playing and prophesying. And the spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you. And you're going to be you're going to prophesy and be turned into another man. There there's oil of transformation coming in this time with the alignments. I want to say to you that there are words from heaven, revelation coming to you. Prophetic utterances coming to you. Listen, Ryan, I have all the prophetic utterances that I could possibly need found in the written word of God. Uh-huh. And because you're twisting God's word in your so-called word from God, this oily alignments message, it's clear to me you are a false prophet. The oil you're talking about is not any kind of useful oil. It's more like the stuff found in a tar pit. And what you're doing is you're leading your followers right into that tar pit so they'll be stuck, sink into the mire, and then end up in the fires of hell. Decrees coming to you that they hold the power of transformation. And as you come into alignment with them and you begin to say, Lord, I see what you're saying. Lord, I see what you're doing. As you come into an alignment with those decrees, oil is released. I come into alignment with decrees. (laughs) There is no biblical text that talks this way declare to you to look for those those alignments of people that God is bringing to your life and I want to say this prophetically as you look for yeah no this is not prophetic this has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit 
You are a false prophet. Alignments to produce oil. It's time to be released from those alignments that have grown dry. It's time to be released from that dry season. He's releasing us from old alignments. Yeah. yeah. That dead season. Paul came into the life of Timothy. And the Bible says that, that Paul said to Timothy when he was in the middle of battle and adversity, stir up the gift that is in you by the putting on of my hands. In other words, he said something was transferred to you because of the alignment that was formed. God that is not is bringing right people right words right revelation to you i just these are wrong words wrong revelation wrong you know this, this is wrong all around you want to hear from god open up your bible read it prophesy and declare oily alignments father i thank you right now done yeah that whatever whoever he's praying to is not the actual uh father of you know found in scripture it's it's a well it's a false god named father but that he ain't hearing from the real Holy Spirit. This is a false Holy Spirit. These are false words from a false prophet that make no lucid sense whatsoever. And he seems to think that by shouting them, it makes them more believable or something. All right, we're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we have two twofers. Uh, Patricia King, Chuck Pierce, Keith Kraft, John Gray. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss them. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> Max Holiday's Birdcage Theater proudly presents Sessions with Mildred. Now, Mildred, I have some very important information to show you in this next video. It's going to give you the tools necessary to know if you're hearing directly from God. But anyways, Dr. Barbie, we are going to talk today about symbols. Yes, I love Because symbols. oftentimes God speaks in symbols. So outside of symbols, what are some of the ways that God speaks to his people? Well, major ways through his word, but his Holy Spirit speaks to us and communicates to it through a symbolic language, through even signposts on the highways, through music, through the dance, through nature. The other day I was at your home and a dove kept flying by the window. And to me, it was the Holy Spirit bringing messages through the dove appearing, which represents the Holy Spirit. So as you can see, Mildred, God talks to us in many, many, many ways in everyday life, which is why... 
about you with this? A Cracker Jack prize? Yes. I mean, no! Do you have any idea how many box tops I had to send in for this thing? Um, no. It was a lot. It doesn't matter. Anyway, what you see before you is, in fact, your very own Holy Spirit decoder ring. What does it do? What doesn't it do? When I turn it on, it has the ability to warn you when the Holy Spirit is trying to give you an important message. Like what? <laughs> I'll show you. We know that the Holy Spirit can talk to us in all kinds of ways. He could even be trying to send me a message through this radio right now. Hold on, let me change the station. for now. <laughs> Let me help you turn on the ring. I have a great idea. Why don't you take it out for a test drive? Aren't you gonna come with me? <laughs> you know I can't leave. Being under house arrest is so much fun. If I were to leave my house for more than 20 seconds, then the cops would show up and tase me again. And who wants that? Now here's how the ring works. When it beeps like this, that means that there's a sign that you need to see in the area around you. Um, Mr. Sunshine, when the ring goes off, how am I going to know what the message is? Trust me, you'll know. It'll be so obvious that you won't miss it. And on top of that, the ring will make this sound when you've guessed it correctly. It couldn't be simpler. You are now free to leave. I'm really sorry to have to bother you at your house. They told me that these sessions are a part of the pastor's vision and that if I don't go, it will be a sin against God. You think that somebody under house arrest would be free from any and all ministerial obligations, but no! I guess that would make too much sense. I'm sorry that I caused you so much pain. It's all your... I mean, not your fault. <laughs> my, my, look at the sun. It's time for you to go. Have fun with the decoder ring! This is gonna go off. I see a McDonald's. I see a sign twirler dressed up as a hot dog. And I see the town park. You want me to go to the park? Okay. There's a dog eating grass, his owner is picking up the poop, and there's a bird flying towards the road. Is the bird a message? The little bird just got hit by the truck. I think I get the message. Uh, all I see now is a couple having a picnic by the pond. You are such a jerk! 
think they just broke up. Um, there's a tetherball court. But there's no tetherball or rope, it's just a pole. I don't see any kind of message here. I think you're broken. I'm gonna take you off my finger now. Oh no, it's stuck. I'm gonna have to go get some soap from the bathroom. I can't let you do that, Mildred. Oh dear, it's become self-aware. Mildred, you and I are bonded as one. I am an instrument here to reveal his secrets to you. I will deliver his messages to you, for it is his will that you should know them. We are going to be together forever. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, Our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that you have no ability to release the kingdom by walking around the park or government buildings. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says Donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute an amount that you pick. That's right. There are four ranks in our crew, and you can pick one of them. Uh, lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. Master Gunner, $49.95 a month. And Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us, of course, if you would like to specify a particular amount or make a one-time contribution you can do so by clicking on the donate button or you can make your gift payable to fighting for the faith and then send it to post office box 13344 grand forks north dakota zip code 58208 and let me thank you for your support we truly honestly cannot do what we are doing here without that support 
All right, moving along, we're still under the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate, but I'm going to change it up just a smidge because this is uh, creeping into the NAR, and yes, Patricia King is actually part of the NAR, so let's do this. Chief, what do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain is Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have sliced. They're pinky, they're pinky, and the brain, 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 brain. Before each night is done, their plan will be unfurled by the dawning of the sun. They'll take over the world. They're pinky and the brain, yes, pinky and the brain. The twilight campaign is easy to explain. To prove their mousy worth, they'll overthrow the earth. They're pinky, they're pinky and the brain, 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 brain. All right, so we're heading over to Patricia King's Shiloh Internet Church Fellowship, which she claims to be the pastor of, even though God's Word makes it very clear that women cannot be pastors. And the name of her message is, It's Time to Change. And uh, we're going to hear her play, no joke, a, a prophecy from Chuck Pierce, which makes no sense at all, and for her to go, whoa, that's amazing, and then begin to try to exegete it for us, because apparently this is the word of the Lord that we need to be hearing right now. Here's Patricia King. All right, this morning, um, I want to share a message uh, called Positioned for Change. And when uh, we were um, getting ready for the head of the year, the year 5777, as we celebrated at Rosh Hashanah, um, in September, one of the prophetic words the Lord gave me for this year was change, that we were going to come into a lot of change. In right. The Lord gave her the prophetic word change. Individually, change as a nation, change, 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 and that people would actually be finding change, you know, like pennies and dimes and that, and it would be a con confirmation. And so the other day in staff, I was asking our, our people, has anyone been finding change? And a whole bunch of them said, yeah, everywhere, you know, and then yeah, she's probably just dropping pennies and dimes in awkward places in different, you know, throughout the day to make it look like, oh, look, look, this is pro this is prophetic <laughs> alignment going on here. We're getting confirmation that the word for 2017, starting at Rosh Hashanah, the year 577 is change. Just even this morning, Kay came to me and she said, Patricia, look what I found. And she found change in this room this morning. So I'm, I'm, I'm sharing a message called Position for Change. Quick, check your sofa. Maybe that'll be confirmation that this is from the Lord. And I want to begin by actually putting a video of Chuck Pierce up for you to see. He prophesied this word about change, and it's very, very strategic. And Strategic? <laughs> Every prophecy we've heard Chuck Pierce give is not even lucid. How could it be strategic? No, he didn't know what I was preaching on, and I didn't know his word until this all came together. And uh, But it is just a confirmation that, that God is speaking to the prophets concerning change. So he, Oh, yeah. So this is confirmation. God speaking to the prophets regarding change. I learn how to be positioned for it. So if the media team could put up that video, that would be great. Thank you. 
All right. So uh, within this message of Patricia King's, we now are experiencing Prophecy Open Mic from Chuck Pierce. This election is not about a person. It's about a structure just as if you were in an old wineskin where one day too long that wineskin routinizes around you. And it- right. You wouldn't want no wineskin routinizing. I mean, how, how do you routinize? It's like cement. Right. And you can't get out of it. Right, because as soon as your wineskin routinizes, it becomes cement, and then you're stuck in it. You wouldn't want that to happen. This election is not about a person. It's about breaking out of a structure. Right, a routinized cement wineskin thingy. If we stay in the structure we're in one more season, it will be so routinized and so ordered around us that we cannot, as a nation, come out of it. Decree and vote for what will break you out of an old structure. Right, yeah, so. I say there is a new anointing rising in my people, and from the new anointing, you will rise up and see the opportunities that I have for you. For right now, opportunities seem blocked, but I say to you, there is an uprising coming. There is an uprising coming. There is an uprising coming. It has been brewing underneath, but now you will see the uprising, saith the Lord. Wow, so we're going to see an uprising. The Lord just said, if you knew how close you were to the revolution of change that is coming, you would not be able to keep your mouth shut one moment. The Lord said, do not hold your peace from this day forward for the next five months. You will hear peace, peace, but there is no peace. The Lord says the sword of heaven is coming to liberate the ground. And my people must have the sound that liberates the ground. Right. And and what sound would that be that liberates the ground? Because you said that the Lord said his sword was going to liberate the ground. So why would I need a sound to liberate? What on earth? I say to you, I will come from the islands and I will blow a wind. I will come from both sides of this land with a wind that will cause what couldn't stand to fall. I say to you, the winds are now circling from heaven and will now surround the lands of the earth. I say to you, welcome the winds in for the change and the revolution of change is now at hand. All right, so this is apparently confirmation to Patricia King that her the word she heard from God, change. Which can also mean, you know, loose 
coins um, is actually for real, you know. Wow. <laughs> and he brought that word before the election. And that was brought before the election. And uh, there were so many prophetic words. You always have to weigh up the prophetic word and the prophetic vessel as well um, as you are discerning the will and the purpose of God. And so um, we have been doing that, you know, prior to the election. And then as we've been posturing ourselves in prayer and um, again, trying very carefully not to be partisan in any way because we don't believe that the well-being of the nation is about a party or even about an individual, but about the will of God and the purposes of God. And so now we have had an election and there has been change. Um, definitely uh, a change that a lot of people were, that, who, who were not expecting it. And I know that in the Christian community, there will be many who are Republican and others who are Democrat. Um, and, and so there can be tensions in our midst. But what I want to do is just kind of lay aside any uh, party considerations. And let's just look at change for what it is. We have a democratic process in our country. The kingdom is not a democracy. It is a theocracy. So it's a little bit different for us as heavenly beings living in the earth with a democratic system. But the way that our nation is set up is on a democratic system where the people choose. The people choose, and the people have chosen. Whether we like the results or not, the people have chosen. And so we have to look at the aspect that there is change, whether people like the change or not, okay? The thing is, there is change. So what we want to talk about today is how do we position ourselves for change? Right, yeah. So how, how do we go about doing that? Yeah. And some of you are going to be having uh, big changes in your own personal lives in this coming season. We've definitely got change in the nation. It's so vague and ambiguous. I mean, anything could potentially be a fulfillment of this so-called word of God. You know, I got up this morning and I I changed from, you know, fruit of the loom to be, you know... to Haynes, you know, and, and now that's a big change in my life. You know? um, the whole, like the presidency, the House, the Senate is now overnight. It is now um, uh, represented by the Republican Party for the most part. So that is a switch. Whether we like the switch or not like the switch, it is a change that we have to look at and embrace in the Lord for what he wants. And like Francisco shared is that we're just beginning. You know, uh, this is not an end. I mean, whoever got in as president, whoever got in as senators, we are called by God to pray and to stand for his purposes to come and to stand in uh, in his uh, will, determining his will in the earth. Whoever it is. Stand in determining his will in the earth? Read the Bible. Whether we like them or not. And um, so we are in the midst of a change. I want to read a scripture right now, Matthew 9. Uh, verses 16 and 17, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins or else the wineskins break, the wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. 
Apparently, with um, old uh, uh, wine, when it when it is seasoned in its wineskin, over time the wineskin gets brittle and that. So it, it doesn't have flexibility. And so when there's new wine, which is very full of energy, it's full of life and that. The new- so she noticed she's kind of piggybacking on what Chuck Pierce apparently gave as a prophecy from Matthew 9 and saying that this somehow is applying now to the season that we are in, you know. So she's gone to the text, can that talks about the new wineskin. And there, see, that this, this proves that we've got to position ourselves so that we can be ready for the new thing that God is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's take a look at the context there, see if we can make any sense of it, and we'll note what's really going on. Matthew chapter 9, for context, 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 these are our three uh, primary rules for sound biblical exegesis. We'll begin at verse 10. Jesus reclined at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because sinners are the only type of people there is. But anyway, but when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into an old wineskin. If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved. So that is the answer that Jesus gives in, in answer to the question, why do the disciples of Jesus not fast like the Pharisees and the disciples of John the Baptist do? And the answer, basically the long and the short is, that's really not appropriate, given the fact that Jesus is among them in the flesh at the time. And Jesus assures them there a time will come when they will fast. And so you'll notice here that she just totally just jumps to the wineskin concept, evacuates it of any meaning within context so that she can apply it to the supposed prophetic season that we're in that began uh <laughs> In, you know, at the beginning of the new year, 577, Rosh Hashanah. And this is just absolute gobbledygook and a, a complete twisting. Now, I've heard that same uh, technique used to basically say, we need to get out of churches where they have the liturgy, the lectionary, and um, they use hymns and stuff like that because there's a new move of the Spirit, and the new move of the Spirit won't work with the old structures of the church. And I, to, I'll, literally, to a church, I can point you to the churches that bought that line back in the 80s and 90s. And you, you know, to a church, you can see that, that those churches no longer preach God's word accurately at all. Um, but, you know, they've become ear scratchers and things like that. It's at, r- rather fascinating and awful and bad. 
Yeah, so make sure you that new wineskin teaching that you pay attention to the context. When you look at the context in which it is stated, you'll understand what it's pointing to. And in this case, Matthew 9 has nothing whatsoever to do with the new thing that God is doing and, and you finding you know quarters, nickels, and dimes in awkward places and things like that. Moving along. Yep, time for a uh, Keith Craft update. These are the sounds of the Mariachi Trench. This was recorded using underwater acoustical equipment that was dropped all the way down to the bottom of the Mariachi Trench. Quite a lot of festivity going on deep, deep, deep in the ocean. Deepest part of the oceans. <laughs> yeah, you're thinking, why do you use that music for Keith Craft? Um, that's a long-standing <laughs> joke here at uh, Fighting for the Faith, and it has everything to do <laughs> with the uh, a flub that Keith Craft gave during a review that we gave of him several years ago. You could look it up in the archives of Fighting for the Faith. Just look up Mariachi Trench and you will find the teaching where Keith Craft gives us the concept of the Mariachi Trench. Now, what we're going to be listening to at this moment is we're going to be listening to Keith Craft in the beginning of a message titled Dream Team Weekend. Dream Team Weekend. It's a one-off sermon. And John Gray is going to be delivering the message. But we're, So this is going to be kind of an extended uh, update, if you would. And we're going to note that uh, Keith Craft is giving a prophetic word over uh, Joel Osteen's associate pastor, John Gray. John Gray, the one who said, you are David. Uh, I mean, he's just a narcissistic a Bible twister like you wouldn't believe. And, you know, you are David. He said that at the uh, Code Orange revival. And, boy, did he put in some stellar performances during the Heresy Olympics. That's all I got to say. And so now after his, you know, his victories at the uh, Heresy Olympics, he's being asked to go to different churches. And what we're going to hear Keith Craft say over John Gray is, unbelievable, like jaw-droppingly bad, and we'll even listen to a portion of the message and hear from John Gray himself as he explains what apparently he is up to. And what is John Gray? John Gray is a guy who has an extremely uh, talented ability when it comes to comedic timing. He's more of a, well, a a really good stand-up comic, but when it comes to a, a sound exegete, he is definitely... Not that, but uh, here's our twofer here with uh, Keith Craft and John Gray. Here we go. Hey, if you're new with us, go ahead and stand and put your hand over your heart and let's make some declarations today. And listen, we're not saying the Pledge of Allegiance, but what we are doing, we put our hand over our heart because we don't want to just say this with our mouth. We want to speak it from our heart. All right. So come on, everybody join in. I am who God says I am, a child of God, a sinner in need of a savior. The righteousness of God. Only if you are in Christ. I'm the apple of God's eye. I'm I, 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 I. What a narcissistic, you know, creed this is. 
God's workmanship, created for good works. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today, I open up my mind to receive the word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Let's lift up holy hands. Say this with me. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. No, I cannot say amen to that. That is a narcissistic hot mess of nonsense. So, yeah, if you remember at the beginning of this year, the, the Lord revealed the word, the, the very specific word that he gave to uh, to Elevate Life Church at the Cathedral of Frisco. And the word was Excel. We're, begin, we're taking bets this year on what the next word will be for 2017. Uh, one of the possible uh, words that God, the Holy Spirit, will give to uh, Keith Craft could potentially be word. Yeah, you, you kind of go with the theme here, you know. Uh, <laughs> Excel, Microsoft Word, yeah, Outlook, you know, something like that. We're thinking the the Outlook may be also one of the potential words. Hey, two couple of things. First of all, before you're seated, come on, y'all, just stay up. You're gonna be sitting a long time. We're gonna go about three hours today. So, so uh, first of all, we have about I don't know, it's anywhere from a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand people that. Even today on Fox, watched at 9.30, and our television audience all over, really, the Dallas-Fourth Metroplex. Would you give them a gigantic hand? Thank you guys for watching. We love you. Come on down. Be a part of it. Also, all of our online viewers, we have thousands of those that watch. Give them a big hand. Come on. Thank you all for watching. We certainly want to honor those who can't be with us, but we want to invite them to be with us, right? So, also today, I want to just tell you, while you're standing that we, we have never had many guests at our church, and it's been strategic. It's because we don't have guests. We have people that we're in relationship with. We have people that we do life with. We have people who, who we want to be a voice into the life of this church. And just like as... A- right, it, which translated means they don't want anybody who actually rightly handles God's word, cares a lick about sound doctrine, actually speaking into their lives and, you know, opening up what God's word says in context and preaching it, because then everybody would realize that Keith Craft is a Bible twister and the gig would be up. I mean, they'd be, they'd have a lot of splaining to do. So they, they they keep a tight rein on the people that they allow to actually speak there at the cathedral of Christ, uh, Crisco, Frisco, so that, um, that, you know, the people there at the cathedral of uh, Frisco can be kept in the dark as long as humanly possible. Yeah, we, we they don't want them to actually hear God's word and what it says in context. Father of my family of origin, I'm the father of this house. I started this church, and our family started this church, and we're very we're very selective about who we have impart into you, not from a control perspective, but just from a vision perspective. And so today, you're gonna you're gonna hear from a man who has very much become a part of our DNA and who we are. And I just want to just say this up front. I'm going to speak something over him today in front of all you that are here, all of our family of choice, uh, because he is family. But I also want, I want to tell you something that I spoke this weekend at our church with our servant leaders. If you ever wonder what our church is about, just read Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, the the letter that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, is really about our church and what we are striving to be and to grow up into maturity. But I want to just tell you a little bit about uh, our our family, our speaker today. 
because it aligns with this word out of Ephesians 4. But to each one of us, grace, which means the power of God to do things God's way, was given. No, grace, charis, means unmerited favor. To the measure of Christ's gifts. By the way, you can never give out of yourself more than you are. That's why you need to grow and develop. Because according to Christ's gift and the measure that he is, he gave gifts. And the Bible says he gave gifts to the body of Christ. So he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So I, I know I keep trying to tell you all this, but I'm a gift to you all. I know some of y'all don't really know that. No, you twist God's word. There's no possibility you can be a gift to anybody in the body of Christ. That person, no, I'm just kidding. But here's the thing. That's what ministers are. They're gifts to you. Why? Because it's for the equipping of the saints to do the ministry. It's not because that guy's a gift to me because he preaches good. I like to come to that church because I like his message. No, my job as a pastor and an apostle. Yeah, that's right. Keith Craft just said that he's an apostle. Mm-hmm. Think about that. To And a father of this work is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, not just preach to you so you like the preaching. Okay? So that's what's going to happen today. You're going to have a gift from God who's a part of our family who's going to speak into your life today to equip the saints, to edify the body, to build us up. Why? For the purpose of coming into unity of faith in a very disunified world into the knowledge of the Son of God so we can learn more about how Jesus rolls and how we can R-O-L-E and R-O-L-L in that role. Unto the perfect man, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should not be like children that are tossed around by everything, but that we may grow up. Everybody say grow up. How many of y'all ready to grow up? How many of y'all might be standing to somebody? You're ready for them to grow up. Okay, I don't say it to him. So that we, so that every part supplies what it's supposed to supply. You know, one of the questions that are, one of the questions that I had with our family when they were raised with my kids is I'd go, what are you contributing to the family? Don't just eat my food. Don't just, don't just be under the roof of this house. What are you contributing? And can I tell you in this family, what are you contributing? Don't just sit in that seat you didn't pay for. Don't just park in that parking lot. Did you know the, did you know those parking spaces cost an average of $2,200? Every parking space you pull into, that you, some of you didn't pay one dime for. And, you, and then you're concerned about the church talking about money. Somebody paid for the $2,200 parking space and the six... Yeah, you know, those mega churches are really expensive. It's kind of funny how much they talk about money in a very heavy-handed, non-biblical, out-of-context, Bible-twisting kind of way. So pack your bags at the moment. We're currently on a guilt trip seat that you'll sit in today. I'm not saying to make you feel bad. I'm saying somebody paid the price so we could do this. All right. So understand this. Understand we don't ever need your money. We're not ever asking for your money. We Yeah, actually, you always need their money. And you just in a very backhanded way made it clear you want their money. You to get your part of the kingdom of God. And be a, not just be a part of the kingdom of God, but get your part of the kingdom of God. So, so we're going to receive John Gray today. John, come on up here as not our guest, but as our gift from God today. Everybody say, you are a gift. Come on, say that. You- John Gray, the stand-up comedy, uh, comedian who is really gifted at narcissism and twisting God's word is a gift from God. Yeah, that's like saying that malaria is a gift from God. A gift. Now, now I want y'all to go ahead and be seated just for a minute because 
I told John in the first service that, uh, that he, he, I have not asked to be a voice in John's life. He has said, you are a father voice in my life. Not the only father voice. You can have many father voices in your life, but choose well. I said, choose well. Make sure that the voice he's speaking into your life knows he's a father voice or a mother voice. The Bible says you have 10,000 teachers, but few, few fathers. And so I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back or to thank John for making me a voice in his life. He just said, you are. And so with that, I've spent some time with the Holy Spirit this weekend in just considering what the Lord would say to John in our family, in front of our whole family. And I prophesied over him in the first service, and I want to do the same thing right now. And you got to understand something. We could do this every week. John Gray is a Bible twister. If God the Holy Spirit had anything to say to him, it would be repent. And, and I could walk out to where you are, and the Lord may give me a word for you, and we could spend all of our time doing that, and it would just bless you, and nobody else would be blessed. But this isn't just for John. This is for us. So I want you to stretch your hands towards John. I'm just going to speak some things over him, because here's what God's doing. What God's doing in John's life. John is a great gift. And it's like in the old days, gunslingers. People see that, hey, who's, who, who can help save our town? Who can help save our church? Who's going to add to our church? Let's hire the gunslinger. Let's let him come in here and empty his revolver on us and save our city. But we don't care about him. We care about John. We care about John's family. We care about John's future. And so as a, as a father voice in your life, I, I love your gift, but I love you more. And the fact that, that I love you more is I say this to you. God's wanting to increase his measure of rule. He's already very gifted. People see the gift, but what God's doing is he's increasing your measure of rule. And increasing your measure of rule, he's giving you more authority. There's more authority in your future because what you say is not just going to be something people go, ah, oh, and oh, that's great. Oh, I like it. And that makes me laugh. But what you say is going to shift things in people's lives, shift their families, shift their businesses. It's going to come out of Yeah, it's going to shift them from... From orthodoxy into rank heresy. Yeah, yeah, he's a shifter, all right. Mouth, and it's going to be the word of God. It's going to be like a sword. And so because he's doing that, here's where John is, and here's where John's going. And between here and there is this, is this, is this tension that sometimes feels like pressure. And it starts at home. It starts in our lives. It starts in turmoil inside of us. But the turmoil is not about the turmoil. The conflict is not about the conflict. The thing is never about the thing, but everything is about everything. And so what God is saying is I'm taking you to another place. You see, he's going to have a show on Oprah's network in April. There's a whole lot of things coming that a lot of y'all... Yeah, that's right. John Gray has gotten a promotion and he is going to be... Uh, doing a program on Oprah Winfrey's network. Of course, Oprah's really known as, you know, the clearinghouse of biblical orthodoxy. All of her spiritual mentors are just the greatest exegetes and proper handlers of God's word, right? Wrong. You know, <laughs> Oprah Winfrey is a complete spiritual, mystical, liberal wingnut and she likes people like Rob Bell and Stephen Furtick and Joel Osteen. So the reason why John Gray is showing up on her network is because, well, John Gray doesn't bring biblical Christian orthodoxy in his messages. John Gray is, is a, well, a heretic. That's why he's being brought on to Oprah's network, because birds of a feather flock together. This is a... Well, he's joined the Wolf Pack and get, given a promotion for his stellar performance at this year's Heresy Olympics. 
about, but it's, a, it's an increase in measure of rule. And people will look at the gift and say, oh, I want the gift, I want the gift. But God is saying, the measure of rule increase, and this is the cliche, is new levels, new devils. And the reality is this. The devil has, has tried to do everything he can with this beautiful, wonderful, precious, brown, beautifully wrapped, broad-shouldered man... <laughs> Now, listen, I don't know everything, but I know some things. But the Holy Spirit knows everything. He's tried to do everything to take, take the, the courage out of his encouragement. He's tried to do everything he can to think that what you thought was going to work one way, it hadn't been working that way. And what God is saying is, it's going to work better than you ever thought because I'm doing a work in you that's taking you to a place that you never even thought you would go. Even in this state right now where you're going, man, I can't believe some of this stuff is happening. Wow, it's just happening. And people are looking at the gift, but God said, I know the gift. I gave the gift, but what I'm doing is I'm making the man on the inside bigger than the man on the outside so that what comes out on the outside is going to make people bigger in the earth and make my word bigger in the earth. So John Gray is incapable of making God's word bigger in the earth unless he repents. It's been pressure in the name of Jesus. Stretch your hands towards him. Go in Jesus name. Let this be a weekend where the pressure's off to be the man. The pressure's off to be the, the perfect daddy. The pressure's off to be the perfect husband and embrace the tension of where God is taking you. And what he's saying to you, John, is this. He's saying you haven't seen anything yet and know this. I'm raising up on the inside of you a warrior spirit that is going to help shape not just people, not just family. Not John Gray and warrior spirit. Uh huh. The country, but is he going to be warring against God's word and Christ and his kingdom and sound biblical teaching? I'm raising you up for such a time as this and it's spirit, soul, and body. So no pressure, but embrace the tension because where I'm taking you, you cannot go with your gift and sustain it. You cannot go with your current strength and do it. Where I'm taking you is going to require more of me in you and therefore more of you in me. So I speak over you as a father voice in your life that in the name of Jesus, let the strength of God arise in you. And from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, may this weekend be characterized not by the gift of John Gray. If Keith Craft were a true prophet, then he would know. God would make it very clear to him that John Gray is a dangerous, false teacher and a wolf. But truly by the book, John Gray, that God is writing. You're writing a chapter. The book, John Gray, that, John, that God is writing. What, pay attention when we get to John Gray's portion. He'll talk about what, how he interpreted that. And it has to do with his show on Oprah. Today, a gospel by things that you say and deeds that you do. And the world reads what you write, whether faithless or true. Say, what is the gospel, Gray, according to you? In the name of Jesus, I speak over your life that what will come forth out of you will be the almighty, powerful wisdom of God and not just the gift of God. The gift from this day forward will follow the wisdom. And as you choose, God is going to raise you up and place you where you never dreamed that you would be. And it's not about the gift. But it's about he greater is he that's in you than the gift in you that he's given you in Jesus name. I speak strength. I speak encouragement. I speak joy. I pray a restoration 
a restoration of peace. I speak peace in the midst of the struggles. You should be preaching repentance. You should be speaking repentance. Turmoil. And that John is not just going to be known as a gig guy, but he's going to be known as a man who walks what he talks. And the transformation is going to be more than his words. It's going to be his life that proves who you are, God. And people are going to see you on display in Jesus' name. You receive that, my brother. So the so-called prophet, Keith Craft, speaking prophecy over the false teacher and wolf, uh, John Gray, who is a gifted comedian for sure. I mean, come on one more time. Give it up for John. Let's see where John takes this. I am overwhelmed and grateful for someone who would take moments out to speak into me. I'm often the one speaking into others, and very rarely do pastors and leaders take time to speak back into me. I want to thank you. Uh, There's no way for you to know because we haven't had conversation. And I looked at my mother who is with me uh, on this trip. She lives in Cincinnati. She surprised me and flew in to Houston on Friday, and then I asked her to come with me today uh, to be with me this weekend, and I looked at her, and conversations that she and I have had were just spoken across this platform because I said, it looks like everything is coming together and everything is falling apart, but it is in those two places where there's chaos and sometimes clouds and darkness. If you look in Genesis God actually doesn't run from chaos. He speaks to chaos, and he creates in the midst of it. Right. God never runs from chaos. He speaks to it, man. Yeah. Nonsense. I also want to tell you just how accurate you are. He said, my life is a book. The name of my show on Oprah Winfrey's network is called The Book of John. That is blasphemous. So the book of John, it's not about the gospel of John. No, it's about John Gray, which makes perfect sense why he'd be on Oprah. Because, you know, with a, with a name like that and, you know, the, the theology in it is going to be all about John Gray, not Jesus. So y'all got to excuse me while I worship for a minute. Because <laughs> God is doing something in my life. And I know some of y'all are like, I'm visiting, so this is weird. I don't know what's... Just relax. It's going to be amazing, and we'll be out before the Cowboys whoop up on the Steelers this afternoon. I don't like the Steelers because they steal. They're thieves. I never liked them. They wear yellow and black. That's bumblebees. I'm allergic. They sting. I don't like them. They're not God. Got a star on the helmet because he is the bright and morning star. It's God's team, 7-1, and one. about to be 8-1. and one. I love you, Tony Romo. Sit down. It's Dax team now. Let's go. Don't come in. Don't mess up nothing. Just eat hot dogs and collect your check. (laughs) Yeah, I think you get the point. So, unbelievable. So, we're supposed to believe that God the Holy Spirit is speaking. 
to the prophet Keith, Keith Kraft so he can speak prophetic words into the life of John Gray, the narcissistic eisegete, who put in such a stellar heretical performance at this year's Heresy Olympics. And, uh, and now we'll be uh, having his own program on the Oprah Winfrey Network called the Book of John. It's not really about the Gospel of John that points to Jesus. No, <laughs> it'll be all about John Gray. Yeah, wow, what a mess. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at pirate Christian. Quick break when we come back. We're going back to 2008 and listening to a Mike Bickle sermon on being prepared to follow, fully embrace the uh, move of the Spirit. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... <laughs> You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. Oi, Captain! We got ourselves a heretic! (laughs) And exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. And what exactly do we do with heretics? Oh, we throw them in the boo box. No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today.
to a Fighting for the Faith sermon review time. Let's do this right. Hey, ho! They got the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via the International House of Prayer, Kansas City. Uh, the Apostle Mike Bickle presiding. We're going to be going back to 2008 and listen to this interesting um, NAR-type message. Being prepared to fully embrace the move of the Spirit. And this is the type of propaganda that basically tells people that it's God's will for them to be looking for the next big thing that God the Holy Spirit is doing. But we're going to note that um, there seems to be a supreme lack of actual biblical grounding for such a teaching. And... um, we may chop this up into two pieces, just warning you. We might do something like we did with Catherine Kuhlman because it's a bit long as far as sermons go. So let me go ahead and back up on the music. And without any further ado, here's Mike Bickle and being prepared to fully embrace the move of the Spirit. Here we go. Father, we come before you and we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word. As we open our heart to your grace, we ask you for the light of your countenance to shine upon us. We ask for impartation of understanding. We ask you for the spirit of revelation. In the name of Jesus, amen. Tonight I'm going to want to talk about being prepared to fully embrace the move of the Holy Spirit. Roman number one, introduction on those that have the notes and those that don't have the notes. You can get them on the internet or you can get them on the way out or uh, they're available right now if you want them. It's obvious right now to anybody who's paying attention that the Holy Spirit is moving in our nation. He's uh, doing uh, an unusual work in Lakeland as well as... Yeah, that's Lakeland as in Todd Bentley's Lakeland Revival. This was uh, preached by Bickle on May 25th of 2008. And that, that was not a move of the Holy Spirit. That was a total con job. Several other... Uh, key places across the nation at this point in time, and he's alerting the body of Christ that we're on the verge of receiving the next move of the Holy Spirit. So we're not looking in the Bible here. He's trying to read the tea leaves of the events in the times that the Holy Spirit's trying to get us ready for the next big thing. Uh Uh-huh. Now, to understand properly... What the Lord's doing and his leadership, we have to look at the last hundred years. I mean, not our Bibles, but in order to understand it properly, we have to come up with the correct theological interpretation of the events of the last 100 years. Notice we're not in the Bible. Actually, all of uh, all of church history is better, but just taking a snapshot of what the Holy Spirit's leadership is like, we look at the last hundred years or so of what he's done in our nation And we see that there's been a number of different moves of God. And when I say moves of God, I'm using it in the smaller sense, small m, move of God. 
as we're preparing, as the Holy Spirit's preparing the church for the big M move of God, which is the final great outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will involve all the nations of the earth, and there will be many, many revival centers in the earth. And in that final great move of God, there will be signs and wonders surpassing the book of Acts. And it will result... Notice he's not pointing to a biblical text, and this directly contradicts what Jesus said that we should expect in the last days. So rather than paying attention to the fact that Jesus in the Olivet Discourse says that in the last days there will be false prophets, false signs, false wonders, false Christs, these folks think that what's coming is some ginormous, global, big move of the Holy Spirit. Nothing could be further from the truth. ...in the coming of the Lord Jesus from heaven. But in preparation for that, the Holy Spirit is releasing strategic installments that we can call revival, small r revival. They're, they're not the ideal of Scripture, the fullness of Scripture is what I mean. But they're significant in preparing the church for the ultimate purpose of what he wants to release in bringing back the coming of the Lord. Now, through history, the Holy Spirit ebbs and flows. There's times where he releases the flow of revival. He re- Notice again, he's not in a biblical text. He just knows through history, there's ebbs and flows of the Spirit. Releases a new move of God. And then he typically releases a heightened activity of the Holy Spirit. And it typically lasts two or three years. And then the Holy Spirit ebbs. He lifts his hand, not because of his displeasure, but because of his strategic leadership. And he gives the body of Christ opportunity to digest and to receive fully what he imparted or intended to impart in the flow. So there's times of in higher intensity of activity, there's the flow, then the ebb. He draws back so the body of Christ can interpret and digest and receive what he intended in the times of the uh, moves of God. And so over the last hundred years, there's been a number of different revivals or moves of God. And I believe there'll be several more before the final one. I believe we're several decades away from those fine, uh, uh, from that final activity of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring that the Old Testament and New Testament prophets talk about. Now, the moves of God... These small move of God, they're all working together in a continuum. They're all, uh, it's under the Holy Spirit's leadership, serving one grand purpose. Preparing the body of Christ for the final outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Paragraph B, we must see the big picture of God's leadership and God's purpose in our generation. And we receive the smaller installments of His Spirit understanding he's doing something bigger. He's always got the big picture in mind. In Acts chapter 13, it says David served the purpose of God in his own generation. And our desire is to serve the purpose of God in our generation. And that's what we're after, is to understand what the bigger purpose of God is in our generation here. Now, typically, when the Lord releases a new move of the Holy Spirit, there are a few national epicenters, and then there's many 
regional epicenters of activity. Again, notice he is not getting any of this theology from Scripture. This is all based upon his interpretation of events within the charismatic movement, including the outpouring of God in Lakeland. Mm-hmm. Activity. There's a few national ones, and then there's many regional ones. And again, these move of God, these moves of God typically last two or three years, and then the Lord lifts his hands. And the reason you want to know that on the front end is that when the Holy Spirit moves and and uh, imparts certain things and lifts his hands, it's not because the people of God grieve the Holy Spirit. Just keep working on this or go the, go the other way. If you would, I'm communicating with the sound team back there. <clears throat> is that in these different moves of God, when the Holy Spirit lifts his hands, it's not because they grieve the Holy Spirit. It's because he only intended to impart what he gave in a two or three year time frame. Now, how do you know that's what the Holy Spirit intended? How do you know this? It's not in the Bible. And so uh, the reason I'm saying that, I remember in 1994, I was talking to some of the leaders in Toronto as the Holy Spirit was releasing a new move of God. Yeah, the Toronto move was not of the Holy Spirit. That was utterly demonic. And I remember going up there and visiting. I told some of the leaders, I said, this will probably last two or three years and then it will lift. Some of the leaders didn't really appreciate that. They thought, no, we bind that word in the name of Jesus. And I said, I'm not saying that as a prophecy. I'm just saying that as a fact of history. Most moves of God have a two or three year period because the Lord's imparting a particular thing. And it's not that he's grieved that he lifts his hand. It's just that he's imparted it. His purposes have been fulfilled. And what happens often is that when the, when, when that heightened activity of the Holy Spirit is, is, is lifted, some of the folks, you know, they accuse one another. Hey, what went wrong? Who grieved the Holy Spirit? How'd the thing go bad? And, and it, was not, it was not that at all. Nothing went wrong. It's just the purpose of God was completed. And then what will happen if people don't understand that is they will seek to perpetuate that which the Holy Spirit's no longer doing. They'll continue to carry on in the way when the Spirit was moving, but without the Spirit moving. Because they don't understand that he ebbs and flows, and he's serving a bigger purpose. It's never just... So, Mike Bickle, are you admitting here that there are so-called moves of the Spirit where the Spirit is not present, but people are carrying on as if he is present? In other words, engaging in a deception? That's what that would be. What's happening in that region in that two or three year period that's on the Lord's mind. He's always the God of the big picture and the purpose that's he's establishing across an entire generation. Now, as the Holy Spirit releases different moves of God, he wants the next move of God to learn from it. We're to learn what to do. Yeah, again, which biblical texts say this? As well as to learn what not to do. In paragraph D, I'm going to give you just a couple examples of how the Holy Spirit has moved in our generation, I mean in our nation in the last hundred years or so. It began with John Alexander Dowie, his 1890s, a man that the Lord unusually, gave, uh, uh, he released an unusual anointing of healing. He was from Australia and he came to America 
and remarkable signs and wonders like had never been seen before in this nation. Then a little bit of uh, time after that, about 10 years or so of that, then there was the Wells Revival, 1904, which is well known, and the Azusa Street Revival, which were connected with one another. And that revival wasn't so much a revival of healing, but it was the revival of the manifest presence where people were renewed and refreshed and convicted. A lot of people were saved. A lot of people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Not so many miracles of healing, but more the miracle of the presence of God and renewal and refreshing. Then after that, in the 1910 and 20s, it was John G. Lake. Now that was not so much a, a renewal, uh, refreshing revival as it was a healing revival, again like a John Alexander Dowie. And so uh, uh, John Lake, healing revival breaks forth. Then after that, Amy Simple McPherson in the 1920s. Then, Sorry, uh, Simple McPherson was a show woman. And she was an immoral woman, like you wouldn't believe. She was not filled with the Holy Spirit, and what she was doing and was not in accord with the Spirit. We had the voice of healing moves in the 40s and 50s with Oral Roberts and William Branham and Kenneth Hagin and T.L. Osborne, men like... Branham is a heretic. Uh-huh. Man. So... We're supposed to believe this is what God's up to based upon Bickle's interpretation of the moves of the Spirit when the, it's clearly demonstrable that the people he's pointing to and saying that the Spirit was moving through them, that they were rank either heretics, false teachers, and, and the like. Wow. Like that. Then in the 60s, the charismatic renewal. Now, that's not so much healing. It's back to renewal and refreshing and manifest presence. The whole time, the Lord is building his church across the nation and the nations to prepare them for the grand and final outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is to come, that's going to usher in the coming of Jesus himself. And again, that revival will surpass the book of Acts in power as well as in the full wisdom of God that's imparted. Yeah, again, Jesus' description of what's going to go down at the end of the age in Matthew 24 doesn't mention anything about some great outpouring of the Holy Spirit across the nations. Then after the charismatic renewal in the late 60s, that was uh, the Lord put his hand on the Catholics and the mainline denominations. Then after that came the Jesus movement. Now, that's when I met the Lord. The Jesus movement. Why would God the Holy Spirit have a big charismatic renewal within a church that denies uh, salvation by grace through faith alone and prays to dead saints, believes in indulgences, and prays to the Virgin Mary? Why would the Holy Spirit be a part of that? Was started off with the hippies in Southern California, and it spread across the nation. It was mostly young people. Th hundreds of thousands, millions were getting saved. It was in 1969, 70, 71, 72, 73. I met the Lord in June 1971. And hundreds of people in my high school, young people, were getting saved. And just the high schools all over the city and the cities across our nation. It was wonderful. And that was more of a revival of presence and salvation, not so many healings. Then after that, there was the vineyard healing revival through John Wimber. In Again, uh, John Wimber, false teacher absolute false teacher. Why should I believe God the Holy Spirit had anything to do with John Wimber's ministry? 
in Southern California that I uh, had the opportunity to be closely associated with. Now, this was a revival where, again, I'm using the word revival, small r, in the, in the sense that it's not the grand revival that we're all waiting and believing for, uh, for that's described in the prophets. It's as if the devil is trying to prepare those in the charismatic movements um, to somehow embrace the forthcoming man of lawlessness. That's what it's, it's like he's setting them up to believe. Oh, this is the great promised out worldwide outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Here comes the big harvest. And the person who's going to be behind this is the man of lawlessness. That's what this sounds like to me, because this is not the eschatology taught in Scripture. But in the vineyard, it was healing and it was manifest presence. That was unusual because most revivals focus on one or the other. But the vineyard had both. And then out of that came the Toronto and the Rodney Howard Brown. Now, when Rodney Howard Brown... Yeah, again, that was not from the Holy Spirit. The fact that Mike Bickle thinks that that was from the Holy Spirit shows he does not know his scripture and that he himself is deceived and is a major deceiver. The Lord visited him. It was in Lakeland, Florida as well, 1993. I had a chance to be associated with that a bit. That was mostly reaching the Pentecostals and the Assembly of God and and those in the body of Christ that had a Pentecostal orientation, faith movement, whereas the Toronto was touching the mainline denominations. So there were two different moves of God going on simultaneously, reaching two different groups of people. Mostly they were not healing. Mostly it was manifest presence, refreshing, renewal, conviction, salvation. Then in Pasadena with Lou Engel, with our own Lou Engel. In Cheon, there was a a regional renewal uh, uh, center, so to speak, where many people in California... Yeah, the so-called apostle Cheon and Lou Engel of the call and Azusa Now, which we've demonstrated is just a bunch of nonsense... And both of them are false teachers. California were coming and getting touched by the Spirit there, and then Smith then, and then Bill Johnson, and now uh, Todd Bentley. Another heretic, and notice he was saying Todd Bentley. Let me back this up a little bit. I mean, this he's the list he's giving reads like a who's who of the worst Bible twisters, heretics, and false prophets of the 20 and 21st century speak where many people in California were coming and getting touched by the spirit there. And then Smith then, and then Bill Johnson and now uh, Todd Bentley and Rick Joyner, the Lord's putting his hand on them and many other places. There's no, God's not putting his hand on Rick Joyner either. Again, in every new move of God, there's several national epicenters of Holy spirit activity. And there's a number, a larger number of regional centers. And, and the Lord in each one of these, again, he is preparing his people for the greater move of God. Paragraph E, Matthew chapter 3, describing the ministry of John the Baptist. It says that he would prepare the way of the Lord and he was to make the Lord's path straight. Now, as a spiritual family, we are committed to fully embrace the move of the Holy Spirit. But in order to fully embrace it, we need to be prepared in our understanding. Because when our understanding is prepared, our hearts are able to respond fully. Without 
proper preparation of our understanding, eventually we respond wrong at the heart level. And so it's very important that we learn from these various outpourings of the Holy Spirit in the last hundred years, and the lessons in each of them are similar. Now, there's always a distinct lesson in each one, but there's... Yeah, none of them are found in the Bible, and every one of them, there are elements of that flat out are contradicted by the written Word of God, which tells us they have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. General themes that the Holy Spirit emphasizes and that He trains us in each one of these Holy Spirit outpouring and, and uh, uh, renewal times that he strategically releases. Paragraph F. Now, the way of the Lord is prepared as the people of God gain understanding so that we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit in a spirit of truth. Now, the options to cooperating with the Holy Spirit in truth is to passively neglect. Now, a lot of people... When the Spirit of God's moving, they just neglect it. They, they're not for it or against it. They don't even pay attention to it. They're passive about it. And we don't want to be passive because if we're passive, we'll miss the move of God. Yeah, whatever. You don't be passive like, you know, about the Lakeland outpouring or the, uh, <laughs> wow. Again, where is this taught in Scripture? It's not. This is nonsense designed to create the false impression that these moves were moves of the Spirit when they are not. Other people, they go have a different response. They actively resist it. They say, this is not right, and they take a stand against it. But then there's a third response that is not a good response, that people enthusiastically exaggerate it. So we got those that passively ignore it, those that actively resist it, and those that enthusiastically exaggerate it. And all three of those responses are contrary to cooperating with the Holy Spirit's leadership. In a- yeah, you got any biblical texts that tell us these distinctions, please? So far, you haven't even cracked open your Bible. In the spirit of truth. Now, if you're going to have to pick one to err, pick the enthusiastic exaggeration. But we don't have to pick enthusiasm or discernment. We can have both. We don't have to pick one or the other. It sounds like you are completely lacking in any kind of biblical discernment at all. If you had biblical discernment, you'd be able to rightly identify many of the people that you listed as false prophets and false teachers. Now, is enthusiasm sounds good. However, it has long-term, it has bad fruit. Because I've I've watched, I've been involved in about 10, I don't know the exact number, but about 10 moves of God in the last 25 years, either directly or indirectly. Directly meaning I've been involved with the leadership and participated in ministering in the context of it, or I was a step away and and could observe it and and receive from it and learn from it. I've been about 10 of them in 25, 30 years. And as I look at it, Uh, Again, I I see the three different responses, the negative responses, the passive, just passively neglecting. Many do that, and the move of God just goes by, and they don't receive the benefit of it, actively resisting it. But this issue of enthusiastically exaggerating it, again, if you've got to err, that's the best way to err. But the best way is not to err. Because in that, 
what happens is that people, two and three and four years later, they get burned by it because it, 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 there's so much hype and unreality that they, they resolve never to be involved in a move of God again. So the exaggeration seems okay, but in the big picture, it actually sets back the people of God in a real way. There's many people that I've seen, they said, I did that renewal thing and I was fully involved. I don't want nothing to do with it again. Because they exaggerated it and they threw their discernment out the window. They did not lay hold of their biblical responsibility to use discernment. They thought, hey. Yeah, if you think Bill Johnson's a real prophet, you're doing the same thing there, dude. If you think Rodney Howard Brown and the manifestations of the laughing revival were from the Holy Spirit, you are seriously lacking in any biblical discernment. If it's new and it's different, it must be good, it must be God. And it's not enough that in our enthusiasm we'll just take anything because it's new and different than what we're used to. We want it to be the Holy Spirit activity. We want to cooperate with the Spirit of Truth, not just kind of blind optimism. But we want a Spirit of Truth and we want real cooperation with it because if we do that and we have right expectations... Then where we can minimize the negative fallout in the five and ten year big picture. And again, most moves of God, they typically assume it's the final move of God that will be the great move of God. Most all moves of God assume it will go on until the second coming. And I guess that's a okay assumption. I mean, you want to be in faith, but the downside of that is that when the Holy Spirit lifts his hands, the people go, what did you do to grieve the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit says, nothing. It was only meant to go a couple of years. And again, when the Holy Spirit lifts his hands, if the people aren't aware of this, how he operates in his leadership and history, they perpetuate the same, try to perpetuate it by going through the motions without the Holy Spirit moving. We don't want to do that because there's a there's this negative fallout from approaching the move of God in that way. Let's go to top of page two. Notice we're still not in any biblical text. He must have gone to the Catherine Kuhlman school of uh, preaching without opening a Bible, at least thus far. This is following the example of Catherine Kuhlman quite well. All based on experience. None of it actually based on any biblical texts. It was in September 1982 in Cairo when the Lord spoke to me and he said that he was going to change the understanding and expression of Christianity in the whole earth in one generation. And to under to change the expression of Christianity is a reference to how the Holy Spirit, how the church... Uh, uh, expresses its life together under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to give us insight on how to change. I mean, he's going to give us insight on how we express our life together under his leadership. Now, uh, paragraph H gives us, I, 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 I lay out three different general purposes that the Holy Spirit has when he's releasing a new move of God. Number one purpose is to manifest his, his power. That's obvious. And that's mostly what people sign up for is the manifestation of God's power. They, people getting saved and healed and delivered and renewed. 
But that's not the only thing that's on the Holy Spirit's mind when he releases a move of the Holy Spirit. Again, a small M move of the Holy Spirit that typically lasts two or three years. He wants to impart wisdom. There's a facet of truth he wants to impart in that revival, and not only for the people of that revival, but for the body of Christ and the whole nation. And we are to discern that truth, and we're to walk in a spirit of excellence as we discern that truth. But then the third thing the Holy Spirit wants to do is he wants to establish humility. He wants to transform our hearts. Now, a lot of folks, when they sign up for the move of God, what they're excited about is only the power. And they go, hey, a move of God's coming. We're going to have power. Things are going to get exciting. And people begin to think, my ministry is going to get big and it's going to get good and it's going to be great. And the Holy Spirit says, I have more on my mind than imparting power. How do you know what's on the Holy Spirit's mind again? No biblical texts say any of these things. I'm going to impart wisdom, and I'm going to establish humility. Paragraph I, now this is, whole issue of humility is, is really where people get off in the move of God. Because the, the, Jesus intentionally humbles, allows us to be humbled and even humiliated. In the process of revival. To be humbled and humiliated. And in that, he, everybody is involved in this. Meaning, I've, in these ten or so, whatever, different moves of God that I've been able to touch, directly or indirectly. The anointed vessels, there's typically two or three vessels that are at the point of a national epicenter. And the same would be true at the regional epicenters. The anointed vessels, again, the great Greek word Christos means anointed one. These are false Christs that he's describing. Of, of the heightened activity of the Holy Spirit, there's always two or three guys or gals that are kind of at the point. They get humbled. But it's more than the fact they get humbled, they get humiliated. Being humbled is when you respond voluntarily. Being humiliated is when you have nothing to do with it. Others are doing it to you. And so those are, uh, they sound like the same, but they are different. I, I like uh, humbling myself, but I don't necessarily appreciate being humiliated. But the Lord allows both of them to happen to the anointed vessels. But it doesn't stop there. The friends of the movement get humbled and humiliated too. The people that participate in it. The ones that go and drink from the stream, so to speak. But it doesn't end there. The people who passively ignore the revival, they get humiliated too. I mean, how many pastors have I interacted with? They said, hey, I didn't do anything. But my people, they went to it and they came back and then there was just a disruption in our whole ministry. I was trying to avoid it. I didn't get to vote. My ministry got swept into it. I didn't even like it. And a lot of folks in my ministry didn't like that I didn't like it, and others did like that I didn't like it. And then we were caught in it, and ah! If this is really the move of the Holy Spirit, why is it so divisive? How did this happen to me? And the Lord doesn't let us vote. Then there's those that are actively opposing it, you know, the cult watcher groups that are announcing to all the body of Christ how wrong the moves of God are. I mean, there's plenty that do this. It's, it's real. They get humiliated. 
and humbled. Yeah, how so? Uh, um, because the reality is if you just compare what's going on and being said to the written word of God in context, there's no point in being humiliated over and again. Guys like me have been vindicated. Look at the meltdown at Lakeland. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Humiliated, no. You know, because some kind of think that they get a free ticket. They kind of step back and just kind of evaluate everything. I've had a chance over the last 25 years to interact with all four levels on several of these revivals. I mean, even the, the opposers. And it seems like all four groups, the anointed vessels leading it, the friends of the movement that partake of it, those that are passively ignoring it and actively opposing it, all four groups, they all felt like they were the one that got humbled the most. And then you take a step back and you say, Lord, you're doing this on purpose. Everybody gets humbled in the process of a move of God. And that's on purpose. And usually when people say, come Holy Spirit, they're mostly thinking power. They're not thinking the, the wisdom that God wants to impart, the message, nor are they thinking the humility. So people go, yay, the move of God's coming. I go, I've been involved in a few of them. They get pretty ugly before they're over. I mean, in the flesh. That's what I mean by pretty ugly. It's beautiful to God, but it's painful. A move of God typically leaves a whole lot of folks... Yes, we've seen the power of God, but a lot of folks end up disjointed before the thing is over. And, uh, and uh, these ten that I'm referring to, the majority of them, not all of them, there are some exceptions, the guys that were at the point of it were uh, pretty disillusioned when the Spirit finally lifted. Again, I, I know a, a number of them, and some I have a, know just a, in a distant way, and there are exceptions, but it, the rule is the leaders of it are pretty disillusioned. You know, five years afterwards, they're looking back going, I don't even know what that was about. Well, we can know what it's about. That's why we're preparing the way of the Lord. The Lord was after humbling us. Oh, I thought he was just after making our ministry big, making meetings exciting. No, he has more on his mind than just making ministries big and meetings exciting. And again, I ask, how do you know what's on the Holy Spirit's mind again? He's got an agenda. It's just not that we have an agenda. He has one. And many of them that are involved in revival at the point of it, they end up a little disillusioned. And I've seen a number of them, a handful of them, with bitterness at the end. And they didn't have to have it if they would have understood what was going on. But all they bought into was power. They didn't buy into the wisdom or the humility agenda of the Holy Spirit. And if they would have, it wouldn't have been so disconcerting for them. And this sounds a little negative, And it, it really isn't because in the big picture, God is his leadership. He knows what he's doing. That many of the host ministries were divided and scattered after the revival lifted. I mean, the, the church that was kind of the epicenter of it, when the Spirit lifts a few years later, there's all kinds of division and breakdown of that ministry. <laughs> I thought the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, you know. <laughs> hmm, it's weird. The long-term fruit of all of these revivals 
is bitterness and division and huh how how are you saying this is the holy spirit again this is the exact opposite of what scripture says how the spirit works and what his fruits are so people go wow you know guys have been around for a while when they say move of god's coming they go oh no no, it's oh yes. So could you imagine one of these moves of God global now? The global move of God. What's going to be the fruit of it? Division, bitterness, hatred, discord, disillusionment. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. I can't wait for this move of the Spirit. Because we have to buy in to wisdom and humility, not just power. Right. Again, no no Bible open still to this point. Paragraph J. God offends our mind to reveal our heart. Yeah, this sounds like a made-up doctrine, too. He's doing it on purpose. He is offending our mind in order to reveal our heart. Yeah, you could totally tell it's, it's a move of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit has you, you know, bark like a dog and... And behave, you know, uh, uh, well, in a set, in a way that's totally foolish, because uh, that offends the mind. That's that's a sheer proof it's from God, the Holy Spirit. No, it's not, not at all. That's what's on his mind. I mean, in John chapter two, Jesus goes into the temple, and he does the most unusual things. In John chapter two, he walks into the temple and he just throws all the the uh, money changers tables and uh, over and he, and he whips everyone, you know, and they go, you know, his disciples are going, Lord, what, like, wh what was that about? And uh, he walked in and, you know, Jesus could have done it very differently. He could have went in, could have got all the leaders together. Now, this would have been a real kind of politically correct way to do it. Come in, get leaders. I need to meet with you guys. I'm a preacher from Nazareth. They said, well, you know, we don't really have time to meet with carpenters from Nazareth. He says, okay, that's okay. Just give a few words of knowledge. Yeah, the text you're quoting here doesn't make any sense in the point that you're making. Knowledge about the secrets of their heart. And they go, okay, okay, we'll meet with you now. We'll meet with you. Okay, good. Got your attention. So now he's got the leaders. Then maybe he should have then went through the Old Testament and picked out a few of the prophecies and said, now I'm fulfilling all of these. And they go, huh, that's interesting. And prove it to them. And then say, just to back it up, let's go down to the graveyard. And, you know, a number of resurrections and a bunch of healings and miracles. And this is now that you know who I am. I've got something I'd like you to pray about. Getting rid of the money in the temple. Well, we're a pretty powerful guy. Maybe we should pay attention to you. That would have given them a chance to understand what was going on. He doesn't do that. He walks right in. No announcement. No message ahead of time. It just knocks all the tables over on purpose. And they look at him. He's giving them every reason, if they want one, to dismiss him. And his apostles, his disciples, I mean, they could have said to him, probably they did, Jesus, this is not good what you're doing. But notice he's not even exegeting the text. He's just kind of making up his own version of it. And talking about, well, it could have gone down this way, but it didn't. So this isn't even an open Bible preaching. This is Mike Bickle just summarizing a story and embellishing it and adding stuff to it that isn't even there. 
in order to make his point that God does things to offend our minds, you know, then that's proof that the Holy Spirit's behind it. Something in our heart says you're right and we're wrong. And God offends our mind on purpose, but when the heart is hungry for truth, the hungry heart always makes it through the offense of the mind to get a hold of Jesus, and he does it that on purpose to awaken the heart and to reveal it. Uh, yeah, John 2 doesn't teach that at all. This is a man-made doctrine, one of the pillar dark doctrines of the charismatic movement to justify and say that's a move of the Holy Spirit because how many people's minds are offended. So a move of God comes, and the Lord anoints vessels to these you know, these 10 moves of God that I've been, uh, uh, related to over the years. And just these, you know, the many, I just gave an overview in the last hundred years. You look at him, you go, Lord, what were you doing? He goes, I wasn't just speaking in that one revival. I was speaking to the whole nation. I was, I was setting many things in motion. He offends our mind by who he chooses, what he does, who he doesn't choose, the way he moves and then he lifts his hands. And this is so dangerous because the scriptures don't teach any of this. Like I said, this is like setting people up for the worst deceptions on the planet. He's on purpose offending our minds. That if we don't have humility, he will give us an out if we want an out. But if we're hungry... Yeah, see, no, so no matter how absurd the outpouring is and the manifestations are, you got to humble yourself and, and embrace it as a move of the Spirit. So if God wants you to uh, behave like a gerbil, um, yeah, you, 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 that's to offend your mind. So you need to humble yourself and, and embrace and manifest gerbilness. For Jesus and truth and to really interact with him, we say, we don't care. We're going to find the truth in this. He goes, come on, keep going. That's the way. That's the way. Come on. No, he doesn't. No scripture says this. The Jesus you're describing, the Holy Spirit you're describing, are not are not the true Jesus or the true Spirit. It's a different Jesus and different Spirit altogether. And only the hungry, at the end of the day, make it through some of the the uh, you know all the tensions involved in a move of God. Now the same light that the same lamp that lights a house also attracts the bugs. And when the light of the Holy Spirit comes, all kinds of strange things come to the surface. Strange people, strange activities, all kinds of things. And the Lord wants us to discern humility and truth. And he wants us to discern the things that are excellent. He doesn't just make it nice and neat. He requires that we all operate in discernment. And we all have to make choices about truth. He's cleaning up the body of Christ when he releases the move of God. Because he'll allow a number of wrong things to go so that we, are, we have to, by necessity, discern them and choose right. Again, do you have a text that says this? But it takes discernment. Yeah, it does take discernment. But in order to have discernment, you need to know what the scriptures say. And you need to compare it to the written word of God. And thus, thus far... All of these doctrines, all of these things that he's that Mike Bickle is saying, they all come from experience. And the one time he even begins to make reference to the written word of God, he totally mangles it, adds to it, 
and then makes it say something and teach that it doesn't say or teach. Hmm. My biblical discernment says this guy is not hearing from the Holy Spirit, that these doctrines are not meant to drive us closer to Christ, but they are meant to, if we embrace them, they open us up to absolute demonic deception. Now, we're going to pause that sermon right there. We will pick up part two on Thursday. So what did you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Pirate Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.